Ignite Impact Podcast. I am Tracy Purdy, and I believe that people are placed into our lives at every step in our life journey to be an integral part of our story. Here on the podcast, we will talk with individuals who have influenced me, helped me grow, nurtured me, inspired me, transformed my thinking, and enriched my life, and will do the same for you. We will be covering a variety of subjects, so stay tuned to be inspired and encouraged. Our guest today, Tara Cam, is a wife to Johnny for 23 years, a mom to two teenagers, Joshua and Caitlin, and is a dental hygienist at the best office here in town. Tara and Johnny are landlords, property managers, and project warriors. She is an artist at heart and a cancer survivor. But above all, she is a lover of Jesus and loves to share about how he has worked in her life and family. I can't wait for you to get to hear more about Tara and her amazing journey. Welcome, Tara Cam. I am so excited that you are here today to visit with us a little bit about your journey. I see that you are originally from Huntsville, Alabama, but you've been a Florida resident for a long time, right? Yes. I've been here since I was eight years old. Oh, so I'd consider this home, right? Yeah, a long time. <laughs> awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about your sweet family and maybe how you and Johnny met. Okay. Yeah, my mom actually moved us here when I was eight. So I grew up in a Southern Baptist church in Inerity Point. And I fell in love with my Sunday school teacher. And so she is actually an artist and did murals and stuff. And she had a son who was my age. And so he and I became close friends. But really, I was in the relationship for her. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. She was she was very influential in my life. So when I got into college, I was going to PSC in town. And she offered to let me live with her part-time to save on gas because oh, wow. I was making the long trek back to Inner Point where we live. And so uh, my best friend from all through fifth grade and high school was living there also. So we were living there part time. And one day I come back in from being at school and there's this handsome young man sitting yeah. in this little kitchen nook. And I said to myself, uh, wow, who is that? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and when I said that, an audible voice said, that's your husband sitting right there. No. And I was like, what? what? I was 18. I was not thinking about marriage or any yeah. of the sort. And he was good looking, but I laughed when I heard that because I was like, <laughs> whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so then I thought, where did that come from? Why did I think that? We started chatting and um, he had a great personality and we just hit it off really easily so he had family here so he had relocated to the area and they were kind of you know hanging out some but yeah he needed to borrow a saw for some yard work and (laughs) And then he met his wife and then he met his wife but he just kept coming back and so then he actually called her and asked for permission to um, ask me out and she told him absolutely not oh really (laughs) so there is a little bit of an age difference between the two of us and so it was funny because she told him no but then as she was talking to him she kind of worked through well she's really great and you're really great and you know I mean I guess I don't know and so then he called my mom and asked for permission to ask me out and we went on several dates before I actually knew how old he was nobody would tell me I would ask her and she's like I don't know I think he's 25 maybe and her husband was like yeah I think he's 27 I didn't ask him how old he was or what he did for 
for a while. For a while. Yeah. And then it was a little too late because I was already kind of smitten <laughs> that he is, in fact, nine years older than me. So, um, uh, it what's was, age yeah. anyway, and right? I was, but we act the same age and God knew what he was doing. So, <laughs> Oh, that's so cool. I feel like there are parts of everyone's stories that may be difficult to talk about, Mm -hmm. but I know how freeing it can be to share those challenging times as well as being super impacting for others to realize that they're not alone. Would you share with us a little bit about when you were diagnosed with cancer Mm -hmm. and what that diagnosis was? Absolutely. My original Diagnosis date was significant because it was actually on the anniversary of my mother-in-law's death and she had died of cancer, but I found out that day that I had cancer. So I thought, well, this could either mean two things. It can either mean I'm going to die or that God's with me. Mm. (laughs) Obviously, I'm still here. So I chose the right belief that I was going to be walking with God and and she was going to be with me in spirit and just it kind of gave me strength to kind of face what I was going through, but it was November 18th of 2020. I like to call it the cancer COVID Christmas because yeah. that's what we had that year. Oh I got goodness. COVID right before I was going to be starting treatment. So it kind of really? set things back. All God's perfect plan because if I hadn't gotten COVID, then I may have had a weaker immune system. Right. So before I started the treatments, it, I think it was beneficial. But I was diagnosed with stage two, grade three, invasive ductal carcinoma with lobular features. It was hormone positive for estrogen and progesterone, but HER2 negative. So two types of cancer. Grade three means the most likely to metastasize. It means it's the most aggressive. Okay. Treatment was a little aggressive at first. I was able to do a lumpectomy and chemo and radiation. Okay. So, but if I had had the genetic factor in those things that I would have automatically had to have a mastectomy, but I didn't gotcha. have to do that, thankfully. But the lumpectomy and the chemo and the radiation. Wow. Could you tell us how your cancer was found and did the process of finding the cancer teach you how to be an advocate for yourself and ask lots of questions? Oh, yes. Yeah. I love telling this part of my story because I think as women, a lot of times we doubt that inner voice and intuition, the intuition, like you feel so unsettled, but you think it's just you in the moment. So yes, I got the call back that I had a calcification that had returned and a possible... Was this after a mammogram? Yes. Okay, like a routine mammogram. I've been getting mammograms since I was 32. Okay. And they were monitoring a cyst. And then seven years ago, I had some calcifications that we removed that were precancerous then. And so this would be my um, second reoccurrence, I guess, of cancer. So when they called me and told me that I needed to come in for the diagnostic and the ultrasound, Mm -hmm. when I hung up that day... I was on a stressful Zoom meeting, so it was a stressful day, but the minute I hung up, I sobbed, mm-hmm. and I'm not a crier, why? and so I thought, what is this, and why, what am I feeling, and so kind of intuitively, I felt like I knew the answer already, and so mm-hmm. I am so thankful that God put, I'm a dental hygienist, and for months, he was putting cancer survivors in my chair, females wow. specifically, who were breast cancer survivors. I mean, survivor after survivor. And they all had one thing in common. They loved Jesus, and they had the most positive outlook. One patient in particular, mm-hmm. I was going to go to work that day before my image was taken, and I was going to see one patient. Then I was going to leave after seeing her, go get my imaging, and then come back to work. Okay. Because I couldn't. That was the only day I could go in. Well, she was a cancer survivor. 
And so when I got to work and I saw her name on the schedule as my first patient, I cried again. And I thought, oh, man, this has got to be a sign. And so I had only seen her one other time, and she was very private about her journey. But, you know, we go over medical history as, you know, provider. So when she came in, we had a normal visit. And at the end, I told her, I said, "Uh, I have to let you know what I'm doing after you leave. I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that. And she said, well, first off, I am not a bad omen. (laughs) Second (laughs) off... If you do have breast cancer, I will walk this journey with you. Oh, wow. And so she left and I go. And so I'm walking in just a mix of emotions. God has given me the gift of discernment Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I can feel people and I can read people really easily. When I go in, I told the nurse, I said, I would love to see the radiologist before I leave today. And she said, absolutely. And I just wanted to look him in the face and hear from his mouth that I was okay. I had done the mammogram upstairs. They walked me down to get the ultrasound. I don't know if they were just out of larger coverings, but I was on the table getting the ultrasound and then I had a washcloth covering me up top. And so this gentleman walks in in the middle of the ultrasound and it was the radiologist and I felt exposed and immediately Mm -hmm. uncomfortable he said oh you wanted to see me and he was very abrupt and abrasive and I was like well not like this you know and then I laughed because I was uncomfortable (laughs) then I said I just wanted to hear from you that I was okay you know from the imaging today and he's like oh yeah you're fine just some residual from your biopsy you know whatever I was like okay and he's like yeah nothing to worry about so he gets up and leaves the room the technician leaves as well well I'm half I have to get back to work so I got up and got dressed I thought we were done and he comes back in the room with a technician and he's like we're not done she wants to show me something and I was like well I already got dressed and he was like it's fine just pull up your shirt and I thought, oh my goodness, <laughs> like, this is so unprofessional. Right. And so How uncomfortable. I was like, okay. And everything in me at this point is firing, <laughs> like firing off my thoughts, my modesty, my everything is like yeah. triggering. I feel sick to my stomach. Like I, I feel physically sick to my stomach. Mm-hmm. The technician says, well, we've been watching the cyst right here, um, but what is that? And he didn't even really look at the screen. He was so dismissive to her. He's like, she's fine. It's nothing. And so I say, well, while you're in here, I want to clarify, I had surgery. I don't have any residual from my biopsy from before, and the calcifications are back. And he was like, no, you're fine. But he put his hand up to dismiss me. And so I literally, everything in me was like, okay, I don't like this fella. (laughs) Like, what am I sensing right now? In that moment, because I was feeling physically ill, I stopped and I started praying. And I was Mm -hmm. like, God... I don't want there to be something. I don't like this man. Everything in me is upset right now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but if there is something there, make him see it. Make him see it. Make him see it. Make him see it. And I, on repeat, just make him see it. Make him see it. So he comes back with my paperwork to sign for my year release. And he'd already signed it. And he said, just sign right here. I said, okay, but while you're in here, let me clarify one more time. It's been clear for six years, and now it's not. The calcifications are back, and you're sure that I don't need to be worried about that because it was precancerous before. And he said, how old are you? And I said, 42. And he says, yeah, you're fine. I'll see you next year. And so I said, okay. And I signed the paper, and he left the room, and I joked with the technician how lovely of a human he was and how great it must (laughs) be to work with him. And she Uh was saying that he's like that most of the time. And, you know, we were just joking. Yeah, yeah. All the while, I'm still praying. And so she goes to escort me out of the double doors, and I hear someone running behind me. I have watched (laughs) enough movies to see. I should look to see why someone's running or get out the way. And Uh so I turn around, and it's him. And he's got both hands up in the air, and he's 
stop, stop, don't leave, don't leave, it's complicated. So then they proceed to take you to the scary little room, and then the nurse that I had been working with since I was 32 had gone to lunch because she was waiting for him to call because she knew, she knew, and so she had all my paperwork ready, but then he didn't call, and so she went to lunch, and so she came back, and she's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're still here. I thought, you know, maybe it was fine, and so then, anyway, it started the whole journey, but I want to stop right there because that is so powerful in that moment. Sometimes we just respond out of anger and we, we want to like, wanted to run away. Yeah. Like, right. I'm out of here. Yeah. I could have done that too. If I wasn't such a strong personality, I may have just believed him because I didn't want it to be cancerous. I didn't want sure. there anything to be there, but I knew, I you knew that it was that gut feeling and that, that was you needed to keep questioning. Yeah. Cause the Holy spirit was like pushing and pushing and pushing. And as women, how often do we quiet that? And so, and, or how often do we react out of anger? Because I could have been like, well, you're uh, a X, Y, and Z. <laughs> yeah. And how dare you act this way? Or, you know, I could have done anything. Right. But thankfully, in that moment, I did stop and pray. And I tell you what, God made that man go back to the room and look at my x-rays. He mm-hmm. made him do it. And he did it. And that man did not have to run after me and stop me. Because his pride right. could have ca- oh, kept yeah. him from yeah. it. I'd already signed the paper, but he didn't. He swallowed his pride. He admitted he was wrong. And mm-hmm. he came and got me. I'm so thankful for it because the cancer was already in my lymph nodes. It was in one of my lymph nodes. It was trying to metastasize. And if I had waited the year to go back, I mean, my journey would have been definitely different. So I'm so thankful that God stopped in that moment and just interceded. I mean, when we stop and we pray, we should expect that he's there waiting for us to ask for help. And he helped in such a major way. So yeah, so thankful. Listen to your gut there. Wow. How did you tolerate the treatments that came after that? So the treatments were terrible. There is no other word for it, no matter how low of a dose or what minimal treatment you get. Because mine was so early, I was able to do four rounds of the chemo. Okay. It was every three weeks. I did Taxotere and Cytoxin. I'm a dental hygienist, and one of the biggest side effects of the Taxotere is it attacks your hands and feet with neuropathy. Oh, wow. And that is my livelihood because you can't use your fingers if you get it. So um, the patient who had come in had these ice gloves and socks that you can wear to help combat some of that neuropathy. And so she brought them to me. So I went in there every treatment with my giant ice bag. (laughs) And when they would administer the taxatier, I would put the socks and the gloves on and rotate every 30 minutes and nobody else in there was doing it. I felt like a crazy person, but I knew that I had to do this a hundred percent. Yeah. Every now and then I got a little tingling in my feet, but nothing like it was It could have been. Right. And so I was so so thankful for that. But the treatments, the worst part for me as an educator um, at heart, like Mm -hmm. I love to educate my patients on their oral health and and how it's all connected and, and cause and effect. And I got no education, no explanation of the drug that was going in my body, no side effect validity. Mm. So it was frustrating for me because I over-explained things to my patients and I expected the same. And when I would ask questions, it would just be so nonchalant. Mm -hmm. I would get the basic center protocol answer. But anyway, so it pushed me. Every bit of my journey has pushed me to be my own advocate and to do my own research and to not just trust the word of the nurse or not trust the word of the doctor, not Dr. Google you know, all the time, because that can be unsafe as well, because it can create fear. But if you are educated and kind of know the pathway, you can find some really great outlets and how to answer the questions you have, because I would ask a question and get no answer. And then I would have a side effect from the chemo. 
that I'd never had before. And my doctor would say, can't be from your chemo. The dose is too low. And so then he would send me to a specialist. I saw four different specialists for four random side effects. And all four of them were like, oh, yeah, that's common from your chemo. Wow. And so I was like, well, can you? But I think, you know, not to to downplay the system because I'm so thankful. They did their job very well. The cancer is gone. Mm -hmm. So it really Mm. is frustrating that whole journey was just eye-opening. That I think that's why I'm such an advocate for health now, because mm-hmm. I don't ever want to do it again. But I'm so thankful for the team that I had, because they did their job well. Sure. And their job is to target the cancer and to get rid of it. And that's what and they, they do. Did. Yeah, I think it's such a valuable thing for people to hear, though, especially women who are not necessarily passive, but just trust what people mm-hmm. say. Yes. And, and I would probably be that type. So hearing you say that is encouragement for me to really listen to those gut feelings mm-hmm. and ask questions and to actually mm-hmm. spend the time to educate yourself to be able to ask the questions that are needed to get the answers. I think that's so valuable for sure. So the next question I feel is super important for the people out there that want to support and encourage their friends during the trials of cancer and other diagnoses. I, for one, have been known to sadly shrink back when I know someone is struggling due to feeling unsure about what to say or how to listen or things not to say that would offend. I know myself going through infertility for so many years, I remember the things that people would say or question you about that would just like make your skin crawl. (laughs) So I would hate to do that to another person. So I just then retreat. I desperately want to say something that's meaningful or comforting and helpful, but often those words don't come to me. I get nervous and chatty. And the next thing I know, I've said something that I regret or I replay the conversation over and over again in my head. So what are some things that you would encourage people to not say and things to say or do that encouraged you and lifted you up during the cancer fight and even now? Well, in the past, I've shrunk back as well because Mm -hmm. it is uncomfortable and we don't know what to say. And there's not really any words that's going to make it better. True. There's not. One of the things that I loved and, and absolutely coveted was prayer for someone to come up to me and say, I see what you're going through and it's terrible and I see that it's hard and, but I'm praying for you Mm -hmm. and I'm praying for you and I'm here. Those prayers carried me through because people don't know what to say. Just tell me, tell me, you know, that it's terrible. Right. Acknowledge that it's awful. It's awful. And not try to dismiss that. Right. Because if you say something like it's no big deal or everybody gets cancer, seems Mm -hmm. like these days. So, so there's so many things, but just tell me you, you know, it sucks for lack of a better word, and and then make me a meal Mm -hmm. or come, like I had one of my best friends walked this so well. She didn't have words, but she would do little things like she wore a t-shirt that said her and my other friend would wear a t-shirt that says her fight is my fight, and they would just come over wearing it, and then she would do my dishes. I had a real bad reaction to my first chemo, and Mm -hmm. so she would sit with me for all the others after that to make sure I was okay, and and I couldn't talk in those moments, so she Mm -hmm. would just sit. And so instead of saying, what can I do to help mm-hmm. you? Do just, do just do something. I have another friend that their daughter went through a cancer diagnosis at age four. And she was like, 
I just wanted someone to do something. Mm-hmm. I did not have the capacity to be able to say, oh, I need my dishes done or I right. need a meal. Just do something. Step into that space. And, and I'm do the it. type of person who will never ask. Right. Because I'm a doer. Right. I can do all things myself. Mm -hmm. If it's not getting done, I step in and do it. So I'm not going to ask for help. Mm -hmm. If you're waiting for someone to ask, they're not going to. Because I don't want to be a burden. They already feel like a burden because your whole life is disrupted financially, time, your children. Everything is totally disrupted. So you feel like a burden already. So you're not going to pull other people into that Mm -hmm. burden, even though that's not how they see it. And so I had so many people bringing me gifts, bringing things for me to just read, like you brought me a book. Mm-hmm. I mean, just things that helped so much. And just saying that I'm praying for you was so encouraging. So I do want to touch on things not to say, just because I experienced this last week, and I was shocked and excited by it. So I have a patient who I have not seen in a while since previous to cancer. And so she had some health stuff and I had some health stuff. And so when she came in, we were so excited to reconnect. She's older. She's just precious. And we shared our health journey a little bit. And she said, well, I heard you had cancer. What type of cancer did you have? And I said, it was breast cancer. And her response was, oh, well, pretty much everybody gets that. Like I have X, Y, and Z friends who've had it. And so nowadays it just feels like you get it and you get over it. And then you move on. And I was like, oh, how do I respond in love in this? Because I wasn't mad. I was just like, that's so funny because so many people think that. That perception. That perception. Yeah. And so I said, well, you're not wrong. I said, because the statistics show one in eight women will get breast cancer. I said, 80% of that is hormone positive. And I said, so odds are you're going to know a lot of people who have it. I said, but it's also the number two killer of women, second only to heart disease. And I said, so Mm -hmm. I don't think we give it enough credit. And I said, and any part of a battle that you face with breast cancer is hard, whether it's just thinking you have cancer, whether it's I have fibrocystic tissue, whether any of that can mess with your mind. So your mind is your biggest battlefield, no matter how small of a step you take into the journey. It's Mm -hmm. terrifying. So she quickly was like, oh my goodness, I had no idea, you know, but that's kind of the perception, like, because we do almost like the flu. Oh, you're going to get it and you're just going to get over it. But I have friends who have fought for their life and so many women have lost their life the reality is the odds are pretty high Mm -hmm. but there's good news because you can do things to kind of prevent those things yeah yeah how did you I remember reading a post that you did that made me question how I would come to you about something how did you cope with the changes to your body and I'm referring to the one about your hair Mm -hmm. because Mm-hmm. Me, as a person from the outside, I love your hair. I think it's beautiful as it is now, but I know it changed mm-hmm. a lot. So would something like that, me commenting on your hair, is that something that is triggering for you or that would upset you after the fact? Yes and no. Yeah. I think yes for a time there. I really, God has brought me so much healing through a lot of things. And mm-hmm. to me, it was a trigger. Sure. So I had to ask myself why it was a trigger. And he took me to some healing on image. Um, mm. Because I think we do, as females, hold a lot of our identity in our looks. Sure. Yeah. And so our hair is a big part of that. And it's kind of our crown. And it's, you know, so to lose that was very hard for me. And for it to come back curly, mm-hmm. he's got a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, I, love, I love your curly hair. I but, do now. Now that okay. it's getting longer, I really do. But yes, it was triggering because I had to talk about it. 
And so, it was a reminder of what I had gone through. Yeah. And some days I just wanted to forget. I have patients who I've not seen, like I said, and, and so many of them are like, oh, is that your natural curls? Or I didn't know you had curly hair. Or why'd you cut your hair off? Oh my gosh, you look so different. And so every time it brings up, I have to talk about it. And so yeah. it's, I have to like figure out where I'm at mentally and share the story. And I'm happy to share anytime, but it yes. was triggering for right. me because I felt ugly for so long mm -hmm. and I really struggled in that. But obviously my identity is in Christ first sure. and hair is just hair and people are beautiful with or without hair. Right, right. And, and now I fully grasp that journey because it's, it's tough. But I appreciate you being in a vulnerable place to where you say that those type of things. Right. And for somebody you. else, it may be fine. But for sure. me, it was it definitely was a trigger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you feel that going through your battle resulted in deeper love for Jesus? I mean, for me, it almost seems like praising God during a major life storm like this would feel so crazy mm -hmm. to me. Yeah, it did. It, yeah. And I'm not going to lie. In the beginning, I was a little mad at God. Yeah, <laughs> I was. sure. And he's okay with that. Yeah, <laughs> he was. He didn't reprimand me right. for it at all. And he, he walked with me through it. But yeah, praising God in the storm is definitely one of the hardest things you can do because you're like, why me? You know that God can at any time take the suffering from you. And um, so why do you have to go through things like this? And it really, truly was hard at first. But then I just wanted to bring glory to God through it. Mm -hmm. And he showed me time and time again that he was with me through people, through words, through scripture, through. So I knew he was with me and I knew I wasn't being punished and I had to let go of the guilt and I had to let go of the why didn't I do better and mm -hmm. the, you know, the why me. And then I turned it to, OK, God, if I'm doing this, I'm doing this with you. And how can I bring you glory through it? And sharing my testimony is now one of my favorite things yeah. to do because God did show up in such a big way for my family, mm -hmm. my friends. I mean, I, my, my love for him is so much deeper now because of it. Wow. Um, I'm not ever going to say I'm thankful for cancer, but I'm so thankful for cancer because it grew me. It mm -hmm. healed a lot of wounds I didn't know I had personally, and it healed um, my marriage in a way. I mean, it's just brought to light a lot of things that needed to be refined wow. in the refiner's fire. And I'm so thankful for it. I really, truly am. Now, I don't ever want to do it again. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go back there again, right? But God is good, and he really did heal me. You and I have talked a little bit about you going more with a non-traditional route for treatment during this remission due to lots of reasons. Would you mind sharing what that is looking like for you mm -hmm. and tell us how you are feeling day to day? I am happy to share that. So God is good, and he knew my heart, and my heart is science and I needed evidence and I needed personalized plan because I'm not a one size fits all basic center protocol. Yeah. I needed answers scientifically. I needed a, to know what was happening to my body and what can I do to fix this? And I got zero answers. What I did get told was the basic center protocol is to shut your ovaries down and then to make sure no hormones ever come into your body through medication and injections. And I'm going to have to do that for the next 10 years. And wow. so that was a big pill because I'm, my husband's a pharmacist. Disclaimer, I'm not against pharmaceuticals by any stretch. Sure. Some people have to have them. Totally right. a fan. But for me, I knew in my heart it wasn't right. And it felt wrong. But I was so scared of the cancer coming back that I thought, okay, well, let me just try this. And so they put me on the medication that I was supposed to take. And I had a full hysterectomy. So I no longer have hormone production. But this medicine is supposed to eliminate any exposure from 
anything. I took it for about a month and I asked my pharmacist husband, I said, is this low key chemo and a pill? And they're just not telling people. Mm. And he was like, what do you mean? And I said, all of my side effects from the chemo are coming back. Like I was losing my hair and chunks and I was cognitively one day I was cleaning teeth and no joke. I looked at this mouth and I thought, how do I do this? Really? I had lost cognitive ability and I was like, what in the world? I mean, I could tell you my heart was reacting to the medicine. And so I went in for my um, liver enzyme test and my enzymes were high and they, they were like, get off of it immediately. Really? <laughs> and so I did. And then they wanted to put me on the stronger dose, the big one that everybody usually takes. And I was like, but the whole point of my hysterectomy was to prevent me going on that one. I was hoping for the least offensive drug possible. Sure. I just really started praying really, really hard. And Facebook always listens to me. <laughs> oh, does they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I talk about hormones all the time now with my patients. And so I started getting these ads on my Facebook about hormones and menopause and all this stuff. Well, this one in particular kept popping up and it was called um, the Hormone Connection. And there was a doctor who had traveled the world coming to Pensacola to do a seminar. Oh, and it wow. was only $18. And I was like, huh. And so I watched a little video blurb and, and instinctively I was like, I have to go to this. And so I went to the seminar and the sky was falling that day. I mean, it was everything against me sure. to keep me from going. Lightning was popping when I pulled in the parking lot. Going by myself is intimidating. And so walking in was intimidating. Yeah. Getting out of the car. <laughs> anyway, I get in and... He answered in that seminar all of my questions that I was asking, all the science. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, take my money. (laughs) How do I get in with this group? There is a doctor locally that has um, opened the Wellness Way in Pensacola. He does specific testing for you through your blood and your urine and other testing that shows what level hormones you have, how your cortisol levels are, your adrenals are functioning, your liver, how your liver is functioning, how your kidneys are filtering, literally every organ in my body, what's happening as a big picture. And through that testing, it showed, you know, because estrogen, we treat estrogen as if it's one hormone, but it's actually eight. And so it's a range. And so this test can show specifically um, which one went haywire to cause the DNA damage. And so we are now taking tinctures that they make through the company and giving my body what it needs to support my adrenal function, to support my cortisol levels, and to help my body metabolize that estrogen properly. I also did a a stool sample, Mm -hmm. the GI test, recently, and it actually showed that I had a high metabolic increase. And that actually is a marker for breast cancer. Now I've got to work on my GI. And so I think I put all these pieces together and I think, okay, well, if we have to have certain estrogens for our body to properly work, now I can have a healthy level of the good estrogens through this new route. And I can support my progesterone, which is the feel good hormone. Just doing that, I think to myself, if I was taking that drug, that wouldn't change my metabolic process. That wouldn't change that inability to metabolize that estrogen. And the odds of it coming back are pretty great. And so I'm so thankful that God took me on this path because I feel like I have a fighting chance. But the best part is I feel amazing. Like this is, I am six months on the meds. No. Oh, I mean, and I kept asking, I was like, what about quality of life? How do I feel good? I'm only 44. I want to feel good. I just feel terrible every, like I would stand up and I would have to take a few minutes to, to adjust because my all of my joints were inflamed. Like I was 90, like I thought, am I going to need a cane? Am I going to, how am I going to do this going forward? And so all that's gone. I'm six months in. I feel amazing. I have energy again. I'm sleeping great. So this path is for me. 
Yes. And I know that. And I'm like, how can I tell the world about this? Because it is so good. And I recently, one of my survivor patients came in who I love and adore. She said to me, are you still doing that holistic route? And I said, yes. And she said, how are you feeling? And I said, I feel wonderful. And she said, really? And she said, well, you know, funny enough, I went to a doctor's appointment recently and there was a room full of women. And she said, four of us were survivors. And so we started sharing stories because the doctor was running late. And she said, you know, we're all doing the medication that we're supposed to do. And she said, you know, the one thing we all have in common. And I said, what? She said, we all feel terrible all the time. Everything hurts all -hmm. the time. And in that moment, I knew that God was having her tell me that to reassure my choice. Right. And I thought to myself, there is a better route. Um, Obviously, Yes, do the chemo and radiation and take care of the cancer, but Mm -hmm. what can we do afterwards to change our habits, to minimize our stress, to, you know. And it's so unfortunate that is not presented to to everyone that you had to really go like digging, (laughs) search it out to Mm -hmm. be able to find that stuff. The downside is insurance doesn't cover it. Sure. So So cost is a big indicator, which can deter a lot of people. So what do you want the world to know about this alternative medicine route? And what are some resources that you have found Mm -hmm. during your research? So there are lots of websites that you can go on to. I don't have specific ones just because I don't want to deter anybody from doing their own research and finding their own path. Mm -hmm. But as females... All of us have hormones. All of us have um, this in common. If 80% of all breast cancer is hormone positive, we have to stop and ask ourselves, what is the key common denominator? I have found that there are lots of um, xenoestrogens in our environment that we are all exposed to every day. And Mm. so what our body does is it takes in those xenoestrogens and the body holds on to it because once it's in, we don't know how to eliminate it. And that is where that metabolism comes in to eliminate the bad estrogen. We can have exposure in lots of weird places unexpectedly. But xenoestrogens are hidden with, and most of them are synthetic. And so PCBs or BPAs or Mm. phthalates, which is commonly found in plastics and pesticides, parabens. We all know parabens are our favorite female Mm. (laughs) products because it's in our hair products. It's in our makeup. Any anti-aging cream is full of estrogen. That's how it works. Um, Just eliminating just those. So like dryer sheets are a huge xenoestrogen. Um, Having plug-ins in our house, everybody wants our houses to smell good, but fragrances can be a xenoestrogen. Um, Just eliminating drinking out of plastic bottles can be a big one. Obviously, if you do plastic, do BPA-free. Just if you think about when you're out and about, if you buy a water bottle in the store, it is a healthier option than a soda, obviously, but where did it come from? It was in a hot truck. And that hot truck, and we're in Florida, gets hot, and then the estrogens from the plastic leak into that water, and we're drinking mass wow. amounts of it. So there's simple things to, uh, to like, just minimize your right. exposures. You know, you don't have to go off the deep end, but just three things. Just pick three things yeah. to, like, to take out of your environment, and that will lessen your odds of getting breast cancer because I did not have a genetic factor to cause this. Oh, wow. I have had a history of um, hormonal imbalance and a little after my children. Well, what was causing that? You know, what was causing that hormonal imbalance? And just kind of digging in what foods we can eat to support those healthy hormones and mm. eliminating processed foods. And that's kind of the route that I'm taking now. And that's, mm. that's an easy thing. Yeah, that, yeah, those are easy changes mm-hmm. to make for sure. Um, so to say that you 
are an incredible voice uh, for hope and encouragement is an understatement. I knew from the moment of coming to get my teeth cleaned by you, which was um, by accident, my normal girl wasn't there, so I got placed with you. But I could see very quickly that you are a strong, amazing woman of faith that was going to use this obstacle to educate and encourage others. Getting to know you over the past few years has been such a fun ride to learn more and more about what you are doing to educate yourself and how you intend to use that information to help others on the journey as well. Your faith in Jesus throughout the time that I've known you has seemed to continue to grow and flourish, which is such a beautiful thing to witness. I hope and pray that if I'm ever in a situation where my faith would be tested like this, that I would just be able to have a smidge of the strength that you show. The way that you love your family is such a beautiful thing and a bar to which I hope to meet while parenting my growing kids. I am so thankful that our paths have crossed and I get to see you flourish on the path that God has laid out for you. Thank you for being my friend and your encouragement always. I really do appreciate it. And to finish out today, I would love to know of something that someone said or did for you that impacted you in a way that changed the trajectory of your life. That is a great question. And I, I, I know looking over my life that certain people were placed in my life for a cause mm-hmm. for later. Specifically, I can remember um, when I was a teenager getting really plugged into a youth group mm-hmm. and there was a couple, an older couple that I just adored. And it wasn't really anything they said. It was more what they did. Mm. What they did was they opened their home to us as a youth group mm. and um, loved on us the best they could. And it really wasn't anything specific, but it was just the love that I felt from them and was shown from them. I wanted to mimic that. And I wanted the love they shared in their marriage because it was a godly marriage and it was a, just a godly home. And I so desired that. I, I have mimicked my life in a way from what I was given for seven years. I was a volunteer youth leader at my mm-hmm. church yes. and I was able to do exactly to what do they that. did. And, and it just, I had to, I just had to, to love on the teenagers the way that I was given because I love teenagers. They're yeah. difficult, they're challenging, <laughs> but they need all the love oh, yeah. the most. Mm-hmm. And so we opened our home, we would host uh, youth parties at our house and campouts and all kind of stuff just to kind of be able to give back what was given to me, to be able to mimic that in any way, shape, or form was my goal. Right, right. <laughs> I love that. Which I may not have stepped into being a youth leader if it hadn't been for her. But Right. Yeah. And then that path that you're helping create with those mm-hmm. teenagers, hopefully they will pass mimic that the on. same. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking the time to come and share your incredible journey of faith and hope and encouragement. I love you, and I can't wait to have you back again. This has been great. So you are a ray of sunshine and just <laughs> a just a plethora of joy, and it's contagious. So I knew when you were my patient that we were going to connect. So this is just beautiful. I love, love you. I love your growth, and you are inspiring so many people. So thank you for giving me the ability to share my story. I'm honored. So Thank you so much. See you next time. Thank you so much for joining us here at Ignite Impact. I hope that you can see that the people that will be on this show have certainly made an impact in my life, and I cannot wait to hear how they are making an impact in your life as well. I hope you have time to join us next time. Until then.